This is Season 5, Episode 8 of Beyond the Illusion. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we have a conversation with a unique individual named Brandon Thomas. Brandon is the creator of an amazing podcast called Expanding Reality, which explores a wide variety of topics that really push the boundaries of our understanding of what is actually happening here in this thing we call reality. I love this conversation for so many reasons. Most of all, because Brandon is such an interesting and genuine character. Him and I are definitely kindred souls because we share that curiosity for understanding ourselves and our universe. We touch on so many topics in this conversation that are near and dear to my heart, like UFOs, alternate timelines, manifestation techniques, psychedelics, and more. I'm just so grateful that we were able to connect with Brandon, and I hope that we're able to do this again with him at some point in the future. Let's go to our conversation with Brandon Thomas, Tiana Roser, and myself, Tim Howe. pleasure to be on Brandon's podcast, Expanding Reality, which is a really amazing podcast that I think our listeners would love. And he particularly does a lot of really fringe type of topics. And we haven't really covered that much of that kind of stuff on our podcast yet. So I'm sort of looking forward to kind of talking about all these more kind of out there ideas. And I was curious, Brandon, what's, what's the fringe topic that you're like really into these days? Um, into these days is my own kind of observation about what reality is. Lately, I've been really contemplating that pretty deeply. Just looking into that alone has really taken up quite a bit of my time. But um, I do fancy things like the Mandela effect. I love the fun ones, you know, um, Project Bluebeam, stuff like that. I love the fun stuff. And of course, UFOs, aliens, anything like that, anything conspiratorial, um, spirituality, conspirituality, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because, you know, most of our listeners probably know this already, but I'm a huge fan of the topic of UFOs and alien abductions. But for our listeners that don't know, I'm actually really interested in the Mandela effect as well. Could you maybe give a brief explanation of what that is so people kind of know uh, what we're talking about when we, when we say the Mandela effect? Sure, absolutely. And you can go as deep with this as you want. Of course, it's just speculation, but it is an interesting one, and it's one of my favorites. So Mandela, effect, kind of in a nutshell, would be that Nelson Mandela died in 2013, I believe, after becoming president of South Africa and living a full life after getting out of jail. But there's a an entire sect of the population that um, after a certain psychic medium, I believe her last name is Broom, um, but I can't remember but she pointed out just online in a blog or something like that, hey, I thought Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 80s. It turns out that there were waves and scores of people that remember the same exact thing. So this is why it's referred to as the Mandela effect is because this was the first one that was kind of recognized, publicized and all that. So what this has to do with is people misremembering things or... Uh, that's the scientific explanation for it now. Or um, you could have fun with it, which is where I, I land on this thing and say that we slipped into another dimension and that actually we've changed timelines and those 
differences in memory that we have that we possess, the ones that remember, those are artifacts of the split, of the slip. Yeah, that's it's super interesting. I mean, there's a bunch of them too, right? There's so many. Yeah. There's a bunch. Of, like if you go online and search it, there's so many. And one that particularly struck me was, you know, Sinbad, this this comedian, Sinbad. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he was really popular in the 90s, I think. And from what I remember, and my brother, and I've even talked to like other people about this, is that he made a movie where he was a genie. And, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess what? He didn't. Oh. And he yeah. That's <laughs> right. So, not in this timeline. I will say. Yeah, we that. were in that same timeline together cuz I remember that too. <laughs> I do too. No, I, completely. Yeah. I think I even like at one point like had the name of it too, but I, I can't remember. And uh anyway, he he goes online and 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 regularly has to say like you know, sorry, I, I didn't do that movie. I know a lot of people out there ask me about that, but I didn't do a movie where I was a genie. And um, that's a funny one. Yeah, because that's a pretty popular one, too. But then you could have like another conspiracy theory where like maybe he got abducted. The, the original Sinbad got abducted by aliens and this is like his clone double. And so he <laughs> yeah. like... <laughs> combining yeah combining conspiracies yeah so this guy this guy really hasn't but his clone double i don't know the sinbad one's interesting uh that one because sinbad actually came out later on other radio shows or a couple of them there's at least one that i've seen of him actually saying you know um i was told to lie about this it was they were all destroyed like it never happened which that's weird too like why the hell would you come out and admit that right or say that at all wow but he um actually acknowledged it and what's even more interesting is you can still find some people found like uh screenshots of it of sinbad in costume now the thing about it is and what a lot of people say and or point this to and we just need to be fair about this that it's kazam with Shaq because sinbad was in that he used to do the guy like hit the face with the hockey puck so he was in it but he was not the protagonist uh... genie that we all fell in love with and so that's wherein lies the confusion or we shifted into a dimension where sinbad was just the backup and then um Shaq was the one playing Kazam instead of Shazam, but they're so close. It's so ridiculous. Uh, the plot lines are identical. And so uh, it could be that two exist. And we just have, as the observers that remember this, had the opportunity to witness that. Okay. Wow. I, thank you for filling in the details there. Yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> Won't that be more difficult now? Where, yeah, because people take screenshots and things like this, but then, you know, things from like the 80s or the 90s where we didn't have that technology, then there was no way to be able to go back except for what we're told or what we can find. But wouldn't that be more difficult now for that to happen? So the interesting part about the Mandela effect is that the people like us that remember this, you can go back as far as you want in that item or company's history when it comes to logos, and they will all, they'll all tell you it's always been the way it is now, not the way that you remember it from your other dimension. Therefore, that's why it alludes to the fact that you shifted into another dimension or something similar to that. That's just an easier way to explain it. That you shifted into another dimension where there's imperceivable things different in this reality but an artifact could be or just like a smoking gun of that it happened is these mandela effects and there's tons of them 
but the, what, like I said, what's interesting is that they're like movie quotes and scenes, and then they're logos, different things like that. A couple of historical ones, which are pretty cool, but that just could be because I wasn't paying attention in history class. But there are a couple that are very interesting that a couple of other people have pointed out as well. But um, it, it, like I said, it's it's it seems inconsequential, right? It's not like we remember, tre- you know, like trees are purple now. You know, it's not that jarring. It's it's slipping into another dimension where things are different, but it's not that jarring like i said so it's interesting yeah it brings up this idea of timelines and um i think it was seth you know this are you familiar with the seth material i know tyana is uh, seth saying. speaks yeah. yeah seth speaks mm-hmm. and I, I believe it's seth because i've read so many different things but i think it's seth that brings up the idea that every time you make a decision to make a choice in life that mm-hmm. a universe a whole universe splits off because you made a particular choice and then another version of you made the opposite choice or didn't make a choice. And so that's the idea of um, just like that the universe is infinite because you keep splitting off these universes every time you make a decision. And so they, I think he said that these universes are so close in nature, like they're only one decision apart from each other. And sometimes they overlap and you actually do go back and forth between them like it can happen where you and the other version of you are so close in proximity that you actually switch places and in the other universe something is only just slightly different like maybe a pencil is in a different spot or something like that and so now we're talking yeah and so so the, so that will just blow your mind if you really think about it because then you know you're thinking like this is infinite like there's infinite versions of me doing who knows what and and that's basically what he said is that sometimes you'll go you'll you'll trade places with another version of yourself you won't even know it that version of yourself won't even know it and maybe you'll have a conversation with someone and they won't even know what you're talking about because something happened in that one that you didn't know about this Mandela effect could be something similar to to that happening. You know, you're, you're slipping into another version of your your own life. That makes me think of you know like astral travel and the times when, and I never could like control it per se, but like sometimes when I'd leave my body, I was like obviously somewhere very similar. Like it, it would look like I was in my room, but there'd be like something different, you know, like a piece of furniture that's not normally there or a door where it's not normally, but otherwise it looks very much the same. And then other times I would, you know, be in a totally different reality or something like that. I've always wondered about those different layers. I couldn't control it. Like some people can, how am I moving from this one to that one? And what's going on in this other, this other universe or, you know, and then is my spiritual evolution to get to, am I just, you know, raising my vibration and my awareness so that I can know all, all the versions of me or do like, I I kind of like suck them all back up into (laughs) to one or how does that work? I mean, it, it could work in a number of ways. And what's interesting about it, and I think the most fun, is that it can be, like I said, just like an artifact of the experience as well. So it could be, if you think of this as a simulation, just something that happens here, like a reset. Or something that I love that I connected to the Mandela Effect, or one possible way to think about it, again, this is just kind of my, my thing, uh, is to connect it to the idea of quantum immortality. So quantum immortality states that Basically, that your consciousness moves on, that your consciousness does not die when you die, or you're done with this avatar or this vessel, so it just shifts. 
Now, let's say, for instance, that it was ended prematurely. This could be like a reset of sorts. And maybe that, you know, deja vu might be an artifact of that. We don't know. But one of the things is, is that whenever it does reset like that, maybe there is something that happened so dramatically that it shifted so far that you do have something like Chick-fil-A's logo is different, you know, or there's a dash between kit and cat, you know, stuff like that. And so maybe that's one of those telltale things. Now the quantum immortality thing goes deeper than that as well, because it states that basically just every time you die, like I said, if you had unfinished business or you, you finished early or something, you'll just reset at the same point. But there might be things that indicate that that's occurred, such as these Mandela effects. Now, when they happen on a large scale and a bunch of people notice them, then it's something that may allude to like a global cataclysm of some type. And maybe that happens all the time. Maybe every night when you go to bed or whatever, uh, the world ends. And you just, quantum immortality, jump to a reality where it's slightly different than yours, but you now exist still, and you carry on with basically the same formula because it happens in an infinite number of possibilities. They can be repeatable down to pretty close detail. But some people will notice like, like I said, the, the old things in movies and stuff like that. And on a grand scale like that, perhaps if you follow the idea, which is all this is, it's just an idea, then uh, you, you get to that point to where perhaps there's like a, we just die all the time. And that's one of the ways that you can tell that that happens. Yeah, I love that too, because, you know, you're putting it into terms that are widely accepted and, and even scientific. These ideas have been around for, for a very long time, but I think at this point in our history, we've reached a level of consciousness where our language can actually begin to describe some of these things. Yes. So, so yeah, so, so I do believe that, yes, these are actually scientifically verifiable to some degree, right? We have a theory there that, that could be one day potentially verified. But on the other level, there's this is a spiritual idea, right? This is a spiritual concept that is uh, entering into the mainstream form of thinking. Yeah, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really special time for us because, you know, here we are on the cusp of beginning to understand how things, spiritual concepts, could actually be a reality. 100%. And the way that the Mandela effect and all of that can tie into spirituality would be that if you come to the conclusion, or at least the mild observation or curiosity, that time switching between timelines, number one, that there's multiple timelines, and then an infinite number of realities where there are subtle differences, that would be the only real difference, right? So if that's possible, then you, you take it one step further and you say, well, if there are artifacts of that and I could see those, such as the Mandela effects, then you take it one step further from that and say, well, what if I could control it? So that's where your power comes in whenever you start then integrating it into the law of attraction, uh, manifestation. That's where it weaves in nicely with spirituality is because now then you realize that we're all one. You are only shifting into another conscious version of you because you are all that there is so you actually timeline jump all the time every time you raise your vibration you're jumping timelines where the people that used to interact with you that vibrated at a lower frequency fall away and disappear and all the crap that you dealt with too does the same thing and when you're vibrating at a higher frequency you'll notice different things you are physically different that's the way this works it's your you change the way you are by that's how you change realities. And you can do this more deliberately with intention, like the in the shower thing with speaking it in the water, you know, all those kind of, we have a bunch of fun things that we can do with that and that actually produce the result that you're looking for. 
So it's very, very interesting and it's very directive. And that's where it ties into your power and how powerful you are. Yeah. Tell, tell our listeners about the shower portal. I think a lot of people probably haven't heard of that. So this is something I heard about on TikTok. And it was one of those things where I had just gotten in. And I was like, oh, I think it's crap or whatever. You know, my wife had it and was like, you should get on it. And now I totally agree with her. I like all things whenever she's like, hey, you should try this. And I'm like skeptical. It turns out to be the, the most amazing thing. And so um, she actually was, uh, we were scrolling through and saw this. And the, the, the trick goes is that you, water is very kinetic as far as an energy anyway, and it's associated with emotion. So emotions are the very powerful change, right? Mm -hmm. And motivator. So uh, while you're in the shower, what I like to do, and this also weaves into the simulation theory, which we can talk about in a second, I'll just get through the idea. So you step in the shower and you treat it like a portal. You shut the door, shut the curtain behind you. You in, use intent to wash off the things about the reality that you were just in that you don't want, and you clean up and then you set your intention for what you want the reality that you step into to be. I want, I am this, be very deliberate with it. I am whole, perfect, strong, powerful, loving, harmonious, and happy. And then step out into your new reality and greet that new reality. Hello, new reality. I'm grateful. Uh, I want to be of service in this reality. And I know that this is the one where I am more streamlined to do so. And then you go about your day and you will notice amazing things. Now, I do have to say, that whenever I tr did this, the first day that I did this, uh, I was 20, maybe 18, 20 episodes into my show um, this year. And I had left just like a comment on Neil Donald Walsh's Facebook page about a new post, so a new book that he had coming out. And um, I just said, hey, you know, I you know, love you. You're the reason I'm not an atheist or something like that. And then I said, I'd be honored if you came on my podcast. And I made, again, 18 shows into this thing. I don't know anything. Then went to sleep and I woke up the next morning did the shower thing, stepped out into my new reality, looked at my notifications, and Neil Donald Walsh himself, out of 8,000 comments on that one post in two hours, commented back, I'd absolutely love to be on your show, and then sent me his email. And I got it set up through them, and then that was the new reality I existed in. And I have just been stepping into greater, grander realities uh, that are far better and more suited for my desires every day, all the time. Oh, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that because uh, I'm actually going to try that now. Well, it's fun. It's just one of those things. And then what you really look at again is that you do create your reality and do start, start simple, you know, and you can be as broad with it as you want. You've got things you want to clear up. You've got, you know, you wish to be in a more bold world, but just know that if you wish to change things about your character, they're going to present the opposite to you in reality. And that's the way that this works is you either have been avoiding it or haven't been presented with it in the way that you needed to see it for what it is to heal and move through it and manage it in a way from, from the perspective of higher consciousness, which you possess now because you've been doing this a little while. So you go through and you present, you're presented with those things, you face them, and then you're able to move on. And that's one of the tricks is that you, again, you change yourself by healing your past. And there's, there's a lot to it. It's, it's very cool when you really go down it. That is cool. I mean, and that's the way the universe works already anyway, but it's like you're accelerating that and you're doing it very consciously. And I mean, the universe is constantly showing us the things that we need to face within ourselves, but most people are just kind of sleepwalking through it and not really paying attention. But by doing this exercise, you're very consciously creating like you said and in a very amplified way which i really like it's the intent like the lynn mctaggart stuff i mean it's just the power of eight things you know this intent is all it is but your 
absolutely right. It is the natural law. It's the way it works. And as long as you look at it that way, it will present itself in that way to you. And so, like, I, like I'd say to anybody, if you're just curious, just try it out. Like, what do you have to lose? Just step in the sheet. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing this. Just do it. <laughs> uh, the interesting part, though, is you're going to lose weight. You're going to look better. You're going to feel better because you keep upgrading the version of you. You literally rewire neurons. You're using water as a conductor, and your body's made of mostly water. I think a Mandela effect is that um, now we're 70% water. We used to be 90 or something like that when I was in the old dimension anyway. Um, but yeah, so you're, you're a ton of water. So it's, a, it's very, like I said, an interesting conductor, but the intent is where it's at. Now, when you said that most people are just asleep, I would one argument for that would be, and I don't disagree with you, that they're NPCs or non-player characters in a simulation, which I love that one too. Oh, yeah. Let's dig into that. <laughs> or Tim, did you still want to talk Tim, about What do you think about world? the simulation argument, man, or the uh, idea? Um, I mean, to me, it's it's pretty clear that, that it is some sort of... Um, I, the word simulation to me kind of seems a little... Um, it's a little off because I, I guess because our language really hasn't developed to the point where we have a more accurate word. But simulation is good for now i suppose because yeah in my opinion yeah the whole the whole matrix let's call it the this 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 thing we're embedded in is some sort of matrix yes it was designed it was consciously designed and it is being consciously maintained that's for sure i mean there's enough evidence out there if you really do your research it's like it's like any topic like that you know same thing with ufos when you just say it to someone on the street it sounds ridiculous, but if you do your homework and you really look into it and you really study the topic, it becomes very obvious that it's real. It's the same thing with this simulation concept. If you do your homework, if you think about it, if you read the materials that are available, you come to the same conclusion. Yes, it probably is some sort of simulation. People have different words for it. They call it the veil. People call it a veil. I like the term a matrix because because it implies there's a conscious force maintaining and creating it every second, every moment. So I completely agree with you. And I think that what what's nice in expressing the idea, because that's all we kind of do, right? When you look back at UFO reports, they used to describe them as fireballs in the sky or gods that came down or dragons or something like that. They didn't have the context, the technological vernacular to be able to describe what they were witnessing, right? It's an old Arthur C. Clarke thing. Any advanced, super advanced technology would be imperceivable for magic. Well, now we have a frame of reference for craft that can be built and flown. We don't have the ability in the open, and we can get on to the secret space program if you'd like. If we don't do it in the open, then that we can do it just with a disc, like what witnesses have seen countless times in various forms and all sorts of things, even the Tic Tac UFO, the Fravor Soft, the Nimitz craft. Uh, it's that whole thing. They're they're very different, but we can make things fly, but we can't conceptualize that thing flying, right? And so it's usually, like I said, one step out, but also now we have a technological reference point to call them vehicles, or we can view them as something that transports entities based on other witness testimonies. So if you look at it that way, then yes, I agree with you. But the part where the vernacular comes into play, calling it a simulation is very cold, but it's also one of the better ways right now, our frame of reference can reference the idea of not only a simulation, um, but also the argument of weaving it then into spirituality, which is something I do all the time. So I, I always say that it's an organic matrix. It's not 
something that's uh, it is like you said created by consciousness so it does express express itself in that way but also it's it's deeper than that where it is cyclical it's it's in balance it's got harmony it's got rhythm it's got mathematics which show intent which show a creator now when you get to the highest levels of this a creator god or entity would be imperceivable from an architect of a digital matrix that was that good because it's imperceivable we can't we can't distinguish the two right and so at that level it's very very different now i'm with you i i feel like it's more connected than cold but that could also be an algorithm if we're being honest to us with ourselves you know that could be programmed into a simulation to be experienced that way so uh who knows you know but these these are the fun ones uh that's the stuff that i love but i do picture it more of like a conscious consciousness uh influenced uh living matrix of some sort that does have order but isn't necessarily a technology yeah so where does love fit into that concept yeah because that's what like when you say it's cold that's kind of like where it doesn't fit for me because it's all just kind of coming from this like mental intellectual perspective but then i'm like oh but i i feel you know i can feel love and that's not like something you can simulate or create uh on a computer i don't know what what are your thoughts on that my thoughts on that i'll i'll also relate back to the ufo phenomena so um in the ufo phenomena one of the things that nuts and bolts people do and by nuts and bolts i just mean people that look at that craft come from other planets or solar systems or galaxies and they traverse that distance in some way one of the big arguments that they've got is um or people that argue against that is is that how would they do that you know it would take x amount of fuel and then they do all this math on what it would take for us to do that but we're not doing that. It the answer is why would they come here if it takes that much or we can't perceive that is it's not hard for them. So I would say the same thing with the simulation being that good. If it's that good. I mean, and we're talking imperceivable. You you have glitches in the matrix which are fun too. Those have been caught on camera, the birds that are stuck in the air, the planes that are stuck in the air, brooms, uh, people looking in a mirror but then facing the other way and all of this stuff's like caught on camera. It's crazy. So these are like perhaps glitches in a simulated reality or a matrix but to be fair all you perceive your reality with is five senses that run in to a brain that's in a dark place that depends on your eyes to see they can't see anything so in reality real reality you don't know if we're all just brains in a vat somewhere being fed electrical signals because even your eyes your vision is interpreted through your frontal, frontal cortex before it even hits your vision so you interpret what you're seeing before you actually see it. So that's the whole thing. If, if these things are just, can even scientifically today be boiled down to electrical signals that your brain interprets as different things, then all of that can be simulated. They can do this now. And if you scale this up to some sort of you know, force or entity or something that could create that, that's the big thing, right? And that's a Neil, Neil Bostrom's, the physicist Neil Bostrom, that's his whole thing is that three rules for a simulation or three things that would need to occur to tell you if you're in a simulation or not. It's, it's fascinating. So you, it would really be imperceivable from real reality because all of that. Okay. So right here, I just want to let you all know that we lost our internet connection in my house right at this moment. And I have a very good internet provider and this rarely happens but it seemed like this has been happening recently a lot for me a lot of stuff in my house has been breaking and uh, technical problems galore 
So I don't know what's happening in the in the bigger picture, like what's causing all this. But anyway, here's my actual reaction to uh, to losing the call at this point in time. Oh no. Hey, is the internet out again? Oh, dude, I'm in the middle of a Zoom call. It's kind of funny because you can actually hear my daughter's disgust too at that moment because she was in the middle of playing a video game online and uh, we both lost our connection. So uh, anyway, here's where the conversation picks back up again. Thanks for being patient with us. Yeah, yeah. We, can just, okay. we can just figure it out. We'll just keep talking. We meaning Tim, who's the one who edits. <laughs> yeah, the guy. Like, the yeah, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> do you it's like no problem he's like six hours later yeah exactly i know it is like that too it's like sometimes <laughs> depending on the guest too. What, and people think it's like whatever but if you're doing it right um then you know for every hour on my show it takes me five to seven hours to create that in the studio yep. because it's a video platform and an audio one all the editing the compression i don't edit content by the way either only glitches. So if it glitches real harder, like restarts like this, I'll edit that. But as far as content goes, it runs and it still takes that long. It's crazy. And I've gotten really good at it. You know what I mean? And it still yeah. takes about that long. Five yeah. Hours. And you've, you've streamlined it, you know, cause you're getting better. Yeah. And so yeah, no, that's it, how you it know, I'm, I mean, I'm putting my 97th episode out, you know, soon. So yeah. That's and I just started amazing. in January. Wow. You're yeah. You're going pretty hard then. That's, how many episodes? Really Oh, a month is that, or a week is that then? Uh, it's usually about two a week, two full ah, episodes a week. Mm -hmm. Well, oh. no wonder you had to quit your job. Not you had to. I know you wanted to. <laughs> oh, God, quit I your get job. To. I'm so excited. And um, yeah, you one, get to. I'm doing a premium platform now. Next, and then I also am doing that con uh, Cosmic TV. I'm the content director for that, and I've also got a book I'm writing and a children's book series. I'm finally releasing after ten years of sitting on it. So I've got a lot that I'm, uh, have been setting up, and now is the time. It's perfect. And I released my 100th episode on my last day of the 3D Matrix job. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say you kind of made that happen with that whole shower technique, didn't you? You got <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy, and it works. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, congratulations. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Thank you. I mean, it's two to six hours of sleep a night for the past 11 months. That's that's oh really what did it. But um, yeah, it's it's still all great, man. I'm fueled by fueled by the passion. Yeah. He's like, it's two to two to six hours of sleep, but it's three hours of showering every day. <laughs> right, right, of manifesting. Yeah. And um, well, we you know, we live an hour away from where we work, uh, one hour in, hour back. Uh, my wife wow. and I live an hour outside of the city. So we live on 12 acres. So we have the animals. So whenever we get home, we take care of all the animals and everything. So that's a couple hours and stuff and then get settled. And then I get in the studio and get to work. But then that alarm goes off at four every morning. So uh, I just have work to do. Yeah. Well, you're a machine. Man, well, you know, stop. it's that it's that Tim Ferriss thing. And honestly, it's not that hard. It's you get rolling. Literally. It. It, yeah, it's uh, just no zero days. That's my best advice. Just work on it a little bit each day. That's it. Yeah. What is that you were saying about Tim Ferriss? I've been hearing a lot about him. You know, I, I know him and I've, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos here and there, but he's really all about like optimizing your life, right? 
he is in um, to an extreme measure, in my opinion, right? Like anything in life, it's the spirituality, anything. You want to take what resonates with you and leave what doesn't. And all of the micromanaging and outsourcing other companies of India to be his personal assistants and stuff, it's, it's crazy. Um, but what he is, what I did get out of that was no zero days, meaning that so the four hour work week is this famous book that I'm talking about. And uh, it's basically, yes, a good motivator to streamline your life to get focused, which is what it did for me. And then uh, it goes off on a bunch of extra stuff if you're interested in that side of it. And I maybe at one day use it as a resource, but as of right now, what's really stuck in there and dug me in was that no zero days. And so I just, you know, do something with it every every single day. So I guess that's what that means. Like no zero days means like you don't take any days off. Don't yeah. take any days off from what though? Producing I mean, this show in oh, some from, capacity. Oh, really? Oh mm-hmm. gosh, that doesn't, even though I love all the things that I do, like that doesn't, I guess in my feminine, cause that's very much masculine energy about managing all of your time and being super productive. You know, that's very much left brain, very much masculine energy, but the feminine is like, Oh, I, I want some room to flow and enjoy and receive and feel. And I need some space for that. And so, yeah, for me, and I have other like male friends that are totally like that, like have their whole day all scheduled out. And I'm just like, that doesn't work for me but if it works for you that's good again because we're wired different so honestly that's not how i do it at all Uh, i am very flow oriented i follow the synchronicities i pay attention to what pop-ups next to kind of like an adhd level and i follow those clues and they led me the entire time so i really just trusted intuition on this i just happen to have the go-gettedness to just sit in front of the computer and make stuff happen so i have the inspiration but to have the just like sit down in this to do it, you know what I mean? And to not sit on the couch and watch TV or not, you know, go to bed at a decent time and get eight hours of sleep or something crazy like that. Uh, so I, uh, that's, that's kind of how I do it. I'm a Virgo. So, I mean, I've got the feminine. That explains it. So it's like, it's very organized, but it's very balanced, but it's also very flow oriented while I'm bouncing, you know, a session or something, I can't do anything with the computer, which is my time to then take the dogs outside and walk in the two two acre Mandela and ground out there barefoot. And that's my meditation. And I take them out there for the hour or so time it takes to do that. I come back in and integrate back into the workflow. Where are you? Where do you live outside of what city? Uh, Millsap, Texas. So Fort Worth, Dallas. Okay. So we're about an hour out, 45 minutes outside of Fort Worth. So you're kind of close to us. Yeah. Not bad at all. I got brothers that live in Austin. Oh, yeah. awesome. So you come mm-hmm. here, I, I guess, occasionally. Absolutely. Or if you guys ever want to come up, do some mushrooms, something like that, hang out, just come see the animals. We have like goats and donkeys and horses and all that good stuff. You can come fishing. Wow. We have a big pond. That it's sounds cool. That sounds great. It's so funny. I thought mushrooms might come up in this conversation. So is that something oh, you do? Yeah. Is that something you do regularly or how does uh, that Not happen? regularly. Huh? About once, maybe twice a year, but I'm a big fan. Have you had some profound breakthroughs on mushrooms? Uh, I have uh, def- definitely resets of egos. Definitely. Now, my first mushroom experience is the one that's most notable, I guess, um, because I didn't know what I was doing. I was living in Huntsville, Huntsville, Texas, which we call Hunts Vegas. If you've ever been there, you know, all there is to do there is uh, drugs. And so we did that. But I was um, at the apartment, third floor of this awesome apartment that we had, uh, like in the it looked like it was in a treehouse, like in the forest. So it was a great place to just do what we did, which was drugs and so um i had never done mushrooms before uh this was 2001 
that's when like spiritual awakening happened. That's when I got into conspiracy theories and that's when I got into um, psychedelics as well with acid being my first one. And that trip was horrible, but the mushroom one um, didn't know what I was doing and just wanted mushrooms. So I got a bag of them from someone. I said, I have this much money. He gave me those many mushrooms. I was like, how much is this? He goes 14 grams. I said, is that a lot? And he said, I think so. I was like, okay, cool. I took it back and nobody was there. So I just blended it up in the blender with some ice and water and Kool-Aid because uh, it tastes horrible. 14 grams. And then just slammed the whole thing in about an eight ounce cup. It was not big at all because I ground the, the oh, hell out of it. Oh, no. And did a couple of those eight ounce cups until it was gone and then sat on the chair and then started feeling horrible. And about 20 minutes into it, I go run to the bathroom and I puke my guts out. And when I lifted my head out of the toilet, it was I was in another place. And I stayed there for about 10 hours, I think. And it was just an intense, intense mushroom trip. It was great. You're lucky you vomited, too, because it would have been longer, I think, if you yeah. didn't. Yeah, that's because that's like, you know, a heroic dose is five grams. And you're right. like almost three times that. Yes. So it was not on purpose. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Uh, I bet I bet you won't do that again. Um but. I don't know, I might. <laughs> never say never, you know. I mean, it was intense. It was a good visceral experience. It's a good um if you want to shift realities, uh the shower's a good way, but that's also another good one. <laughs> yeah, that's how I kind of found my way to, you know, the my spiritual curiosity and the beginning of my journey was uh through mushrooms, I became very interested in mushrooms, you know, and I went through a period where I decided I was going to grow my own and, and I did. And I think you have a really personal relationship when you do that with them. The trip is probably a little different than if you didn't do that. And uh, yeah, I did, I did them with my brother, you know, for the first time we were out at my parents' house, which is out in a country, you know, really far away from everything. It was a really bizarre experience because... I was like you, I had to throw up because it was a lot. We took a lot. And, um, and then that's when the trip really took off. And then I, at some point was like standing in front of my brother, like sharing the secrets of the universe with him, which yeah, you I, were. I have no idea where I was getting this stuff, you know, and I was just telling him how everything worked and, mm. uh, he was just listening. And then we, <laughs> we look up and it was like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was like there was a an entity, like a like a being, and it was it was in the sky. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this. It's, it just sounds so bizarre. But there was an entity in the sky, and it was a full moon, and it was making the clouds go around the moon, and it was like putting on a show for us. And we were just standing there, and, and we knew that's what was happening. And uh, and I'll, I'll never forget it. It was, just, it was just the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in my life, and I've never seen anything like that again either. It was like the clouds were swirling around the moon from our perspective, and then all of a sudden, you know, there were no clouds, and then everything was normal again. And I swear to God, to this day, if I look up in the sky... I see clouds different than I saw them before that time. I see yeah. them in a different way and I still see them. This is years ago. This is years and years ago. I still look up in the sky and I see clouds like that. And I don't know how to explain it. I just see them in a different way. Like I can see the clouds. I can see 
the essence of clouds. <laughs> I don't know any other better way to put it. It's a great way to put it because you're right. Once you open the door, and we all know this with spirituality, once you open that door, it's a trap door. It closes behind you and there's no handle on the inside. Like you can't go backwards. Once You can't unlearn this. You can't be reinserted back into the matrix once you've woken up and discovered it because that's not your mission here or your possible quest, you know, if you want to put it that way. Uh, but the, it, it is who discovered that. And that's why there are so many things out here. One idea, again, I talk like I believe this stuff. It's just one idea that I've been kicking around. I just want to articulate that I'm objective is the idea that we're, we're all one experiencing itself subjectively. There is this part of us, though, that's playing a role here. And I had Pat Mahan on the show. Highly recommend that guy. He runs a show called Like Attracts Like. Uh, he is going to be my 100th episode. It's already done. It's awesome. And uh, anyway, but he brought up on my show the first time he was on and said he put it in a way that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, just, just like you will never see clouds the same way. It opens this door and then you just don't forget it. And you can't not see it that way anymore. At least consider it. Uh, that it is that the darker side of you, which is just you, right, uh, then that is here to play a role. And he used the example of actors in a play. He said, when you go to see a play, there's a bad, act, there's a bad guy and a good guy. They both play a role, and then both of them come out at the end and bow together because they're both necessary to have the experience. You can't have a boring life. You can't just have a movie where the guy drives a truck down the street and then stops, parks, and then end of movie. It's boring. <laughs> Nobody wants that stuff. We got to have something going on. You have to have something to stimulate. And so that's what this environment provides. But it provides it in an infinite number of options for you. And that's why we use the terms like what serves you and what doesn't serve you. Judgment doesn't occur. Uh, it occurs from you, from near-death experiencers, reports coming back telling the, us that they weren't judged at all, that they judged themselves in their own life review and that that was where the judging came from. So if that's the case, you know, morality is out the window. That's subjective, but it also perturbs your experience if you live in a low vibration. So that's just something to consider. Now, whenever you look at things that way, you really just change everything because now all the bad or quote other um, is just something that's not you. And that sets you in a direction which opens another door that closes behind you. So you never see things the same, just like you and your clouds. Now, psychedelics offer this in a special way because they could be hallucinogens or hallucinogens, as Terrence McKenna would say, or they can be things that just alter the way that you perceive reality so much that then it just expands your idea of what's possible. And if you can get there, that door is the one that you want to kick open and not worry about it, not letting you back out, because that's an interesting place to be. Because my reality, I look at this place like it's any of these things. It can be a simulation that's not, a, that's not doing anything outside of the room that I'm in or outside of my visual frame of reference, because it doesn't need to render. It's just for you, you are the experience. So it doesn't need to render China because you're not there right now. Uh, if you're in China, thank you for listening. You can view it through this lens, but psychedelics offers kind of like a, a way to thin the veil a little bit and to show you that there's other things that you can experience here that are expanded beyond your five senses uh, that enhance your vision, that enhance your hearing. You know, the data input is crazy. The rewiring of neurons, you don't think the same. You shift realities very quickly. This is another mechanism to do it, right? Like with these concepts being that way, then it's it's all cool. And that, that over there is just that over there. And you that's what you're here to experience is whatever you want. And so that's that's what I love about it the most. Yeah, I think um, you know, people like you who are constantly kind of entertaining these other ideas about what is reality and what is consciousness, just by 
keeping that open and, and questioning that you are becoming, you know, you're, you have to stay very present and, and you're not taking anything for granted. And so you are more able to like fluidly consciously create your reality because you're not so invested. I think, you know, so much of us, like we're so invested in the way that we think that reality is that we don't want to uh, open to these other possibilities because they threaten, you know, the, re- the safe reality that I think I have. And so just by the virtue of being somebody who's willing to conscious uh, to constantly question that it really empowers you in a way because you're not so attached or invested in one specific idea about reality. You're absolutely right. You nailed it. Uh, had nailed it. Uh, because there's this uh, quote from uh, Chris Rock on a movie called Dogma. It's a Kevin Smith movie. Great movie, by the way. Alanis Morissette's God in it. It's really fun. But he says a line in there that, again, really stuck with me. And it is, um, he said, I don't have beliefs. I have ideas because ideas are easier to change. So I've abandoned entirely the idea of cognitive dissonance because it just does not exist for me. I entertain all possibilities. I'm what, uh, you know, Dr. David Eagleman, neuroscientist, calls a possibility in and that is like the one thing, if I planted my flag, it'd be on that because you plant your flag on nothing. And it's wonderful. You plant your flag on the idea of possibilities, which is what I subscribe to the most. And if that's the case, I'm able to go down these thought experiments with no real need to have a stable reality because that's all this is. I'm okay that it's any of these things because I'm so fascinated by it. And so I don't need a stable reality. And actually, the further I dip into that it's not, and that the idea of the consensus reality, that we're all even here at all, uh, that I'm not just the only one here, you know, you go real deep with this stuff, or the idea that that we're not sharing an experience here. So those types of things, and the further I look into it, I'm okay with it. Like, is the earth round or flat? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's yes, absolutely, whatever you want it to be. That's what it is. And it could be that way. And that, when, again, whenever I dip that way, is the most comfortable I've ever felt. I wasn't have to constantly defend an ideology that I didn't 100% agree with because it wasn't something I believed or I didn't think that was the end of it, you know, and that's what a possibility is. We explore the possibilities and it's, it's incredible. That's, that's the way I choose to live. And I've been never been happier. Yeah. I think, you know, so people who do things like psychedelics, cause obviously, you know, you're willing, you knowingly know that you're going to have some experience that's going to totally shatter kind of your everyday reality. And then people who do different types of spiritual practices like meditation or, you know, whatnot, get to have those experiences in it. It makes us more fluid and flexible. And then now with our outer reality really becoming unraveling, let's say, you know, and so of course, a lot of people are having a very difficult time with that. But I think, you know, as we move forward, people are going to become much more fluid and flexible because, Finally, this what seemed like it was stable, this reality by it unraveling and learning how to adapt and and swim in this new way of being, I think ultimately is really great for our society. 100%. And what's great about it is, is whenever you deconstruct, you reconstruct. And so with this understanding of deconstruction, it's great. It's not disorienting at all. It's, it's a little bit jarring because it's exciting. I would put it that way more than an anxious feeling. And once you get over the, you've been lied to your whole life, you know, from everything and that all of reality is just an inversion of, of what's really going on, you know, that's, that's fed to you on the TV or whatever from your government, medicine, religion, all that good stuff, in my opinion. 
then it's one of those things to where you can wake up to that fact and just go, okay, uh, I guess this is how it is. And then you you move on, but you're not alone. That's why shows like y'all's, you guys, what you do, uh, my show, we're lighthouses. You know, we're out here. If you want to come talk about these ideas in a place free of judgment and come join our soul tribe that doesn't ask you for anything other than just an open mind, come on down, dude. That's that's what we're doing over here. And it's it's feel good and it's awesome. And uh, this is this is the best part of this is the connecting with everyone, and that's what I'm that's what I'm so happy about. Being that like yeah, this has been a very transformative year for you. You started your podcast, and then you started your shower portal, and now you are walking away from your job and all of these new possibilities. But what are kind of your 2021 takeaways for you personally? What are the the with all these ideas and these people that have come on and shared new ways of thinking and so forth, you know, what were the key things maybe that changed you or that you learned this year? Um, this year was the chrysalis period is what I'll put it. It's kind of the foundation. So next year is the butterfly phase. And uh, like I said, it's it's all been engineered to be organically that way, just simply by following the synchronicities. That's the trick is just pay attention to your intuition and go that way, right? Um, and that's the big secret, to be honest with you, um, and just be quiet enough to do that. And so with this project in particular, I this year was, like I said, the foundation, the building up. We got our 100th episode comes out on the 31st, last day of the year, moving into a new one. We do the expanded content after that, uh, lots of new projects from there. This year was the contacts. This year was laying down the framework for expanding the ideas to a point to where everyone who tuned in, there'd be something for everyone. You can listen to anything on my show and you're going to find someone interesting because I only have fascinating people on. That's my rule. You've got to be absolutely amazing to be on the show. I just talk about the ideas. Like I said, my my favorite thing about it and what I set up this year and what I wanted to do, because this is the beginning, I wanted to establish where I stand as far as the way that I wanted the show to go. And the first of that was, it's not about me. It's about the guests. It's bigger than me. The other part of that was that um, I just wanted to talk about the ideas. I'm not here to prove anyone wrong. I'm not here to prove myself right. I am here to talk about amazing things and see how far we can take them and be as comfortable and fun as possible. And that's it. And it's it's been that motto and, again, the intuition part of it that I've followed. So that laid the framework. I mean, I... I did a ton of personal growth this year. I did ayahuasca for the first time. I had my first ayahuasca ceremony. I uh, quit drinking after nine and a half years. I broke a family generational curse of long alcoholics in my family. And I did wow. that by stopping and overnight just stopped. Um, after doing it every day for nine and a half years straight. I worked in the beer business. That was my former job. So it was this low vibe environment that I had learned a ton from. And uh, I'm grateful for every moment in it. I regret none of it. And so I've, uh, like I said, changed a lot. Uh, the time in nature has been way more of a priority, even though we live out in nature. That's that's a, something very important. And then just the show and how it's organically changed. Uh, some of the things, like I said, that I've set up, like having everybody say expanding reality when they come on, you know, I got to start that at the very beginning. So that was great. Uh, so I did a podcast before this with friends um, and my wife, and that was kind of the caterpillar figuring out what audio was and stuff like that. It was way more of a morning talk show and ridiculous. So when that stopped, went into this year, started this, which was the chrysalis phase. And then, like I said, next year's a butterfly. So we're emerging in this three-part way in 2022, and it's huge. Like We have tons of stuff to look forward to. Oh, that's beautiful. You're going to fly, man. 
We just know well, we're doing it now, which is great. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, exclude that from my present condition, uh, as Mira Taylor would say. You guys have got to talk to her, by the way. You would love her. I'll get you on contact. And Taina knows this. Anybody that I know, you know. So we're Soul Tribe. But uh, something also that I'll be launching next year is something I'm going to be calling the Co Collective Creative. And so I'll, of course, call you guys onto these. These are going to be panel shows basically or round tables called the co-collective creative and we're just going to talk about some amazing stuff and so those those will be a lot of fun oh that would be what super fun mm-hmm. but i don't want to like skip i kind of want to hear a little bit about your i i can't like not hear about your ayahuasca experience oh okay yes okay so it was incredible so i had you know learned as much as you can learn without doing it right i met a guy through complete synchronicities um of course and this is how this works uh, in fact, it was so dialed down to, it was one of my accounts at work. Somebody I know there said, hey, I have this and handed me a piece of paper. And she said, last night, somebody walked up, I've never met before, never heard of, sat down and we just started talking and having a couple of drinks together. He then explains that he's a documentary filmmaker that made a movie called More Joy, Less Pain. You guys can look this up on Amazon. It's like two bucks. Highly recommend it. And that guy, Mike, uh, Mike McCoy is his name, went down to Peru with a guy named Peter Gorman, which Peter Gorman was the former editor-in-chief of High Times Magazine. He is the guy that wrote an article on ayahuasca. First one, I believe, in the States, uh, 1984. Six uh, after his first trip in 84 down there. Uh, the guy basically that's credited for the most part with bringing ayahuasca up to the States from yeah. Peru. He, he's so, written a very good book too. I've read, I've read his book too. Yeah. Ayahuasca in my blood. He just yes. had a new one that came out and he is wonderful. If you guys would like to talk to him, wonderful storyteller. So I've had him on the show. Whenever I went to go do my ayahuasca ceremony, it was, it was Mike um, that had recommended this and so or offered. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Now it was really interesting about this and it just keeps getting better. Right is that uh, we did this in June. Now, the June was like the full strawberry moon or something like that. It was exactly six full moons after I had dropped my first episode with this show. A lot of the astrological stuff just happened to correlate, (laughs) wink, wink, happened to correlate with uh, some major astrological things uh, that just happened to happen that way. And so uh, even from when I released my first episode, it just set set the tone. And it was just one of those, and do it now. You know what I mean? And so uh, that happened on the 6th and the biggest, I believe, like Strawberry Moon or something like that uh, in June. And it just happened to again fall on that. He didn't even know that's when it was. But it was basically five of us. I live an hour outside of town. And this was an hour and a half for outside from us. So it was way up in the northern hill country in Texas on 142 acres. And it was hot as hell, you know, in June in June in Texas, uh-huh. uh, no running water, no electricity, all that good stuff. Oh, and, man. Oh, it was wonderful. And we go out there. And of course, in June in Texas as well, we have copperheads. So as we're out here on this, you know, far, nothing around, nothing around. We're walking around doing a little hike. We saw a bunch of them and that will play in um, later on. So we hiked around. There were only five of us total. A guy came in from, um, I believe he was just in Belize or something doing a ceremony, but he's from Venezuela, travels all over and does. He's kind of like a mobile Corindero, and it was really cool. So we did all of it. We set up the Aracana, um, which for those of y'all who don't know, that's when you go to the four points and you you know set a protection circle uh, and you stay within that circle during the ceremony. We then um, sat down, went up, uh, did ours one at a time, which I know that's also kind of controversial. I hear a lot of people say that they take it together, but all of these are very different experiences, which also makes it interesting. So I took mine, I sat down. Um, There was a guy next to me who this was his 18th time to do this. And we're sitting around the fire 
the last guy went up and he's sitting down. Now the last two are just sitting there and we're all just hanging out. He starts going very uncomfortably and walking around and like moving around and groaning and, you know, almost sobbing. And I haven't, it hadn't hit me yet. So I was, and then he just starts screaming his head off. Uh, and that continued for two and a half hours. And so, and it was bad. It was like speaking in tugs. It was bad, but I'm a chronic optimist. So I was like, you know what? This is my first time to do this. I'm not going to get freaked out by this because the first time I did ask that I had a horrible, horrible trip. And that was my dark night of the soul. That one, that one thing. It, it ended up being awesome. I was just like, you know what? Um, all those snakes that we saw earlier, at least he's going to keep them away. And I won't have to worry about that. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, we didn't see any snakes. So that was nice. <laughs> and that were real. What a cool way to do ayahuasca. It was really, really, really cool. And there was all sorts of, you know, like, I mean, they had the Rosewater and the Chicapo and the, they walked around and I didn't, you know, poop myself. Thank God. And that was one thing that they say can happen. And whenever I get out there, there's nothing. And it's a, he point he comes and shows us the shack where we're supposed to do our business if we need to. And this shack, when he opened it up, he interrupted like a spider fiesta and it was crazy. There were hundreds, if not thousands of spiders in there. And he was like, yeah, you just go in the bucket and then put kitty litter on it. And I was like, okay. So I just decided I just wasn't going to do that. You know what I mean? And didn't poop myself, didn't anything like that. So that was good. And did um, you purge? Did you vomit? I did about six hours in. So oh I was wow, well how it. did you keep it so long? I've done so many psychedelics. I... I've done so. I used to take like a ten strip of acid and three tabs, you know, ecstasy, and just go out into the woods for a few days. Like I used to do mad amounts <laughs> of altered states, as we put it. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, I could that barely could... keep it in my body, but it still had a really strong effect just because I think I'm so sensitive. But that's incredible. You had it for six hours. And it was incredible. It definitely had a strong effect. It was wild. It was it was very intense. I learned a lot and I'm grateful for it. And as Grandmother Ayahuasca is, it continues to work through me. So it can, she continues to show me stuff as I go. What about, so, you know, we touched a little bit like you and you made reference to astrology and I'm curious like what are you know now that we're we're winding down with 2021 we're in the last couple of weeks of 2021 what are your thoughts about what do you think not specific to you but for the collective or you know what do you think 2022 looks like so um I think it looks interesting I think it looks like whatever anyone wants it to look like and that is more true now than ever so beforehand if you want to take a look at Kind of the way, again, it just kind of it depends on what you think reality is or how it works. But let's just say as a thought experiment that um, reality works in the way that the things that influence you can only influence you. Nothing has sovereignty over your free will. And that means your physical free will, too. So the people that are concerned about being held down and having something medical done to them, they're feeding fear into a system that requires energy. And if you look at it that way, you change the direction of flow of your energy because your attention is your currency and that's all you've got. So if you just look at it at, for what it is, I, I look at politics as fake a long time ago. It's politics. And I know that. I know it's two wings of the same bird, two hands of the same puppet, you know, the same entity. It's the same thing. It, it's a system of energy that requires your energy. It prefers the taste of negative energy. And so it provides that in the form of a two-party system or diametrically opposed ideologies that you can see valid arguments for on either side. But the middle ground is where it dies. And so the middle ground, it must keep open and occupied with fear. And so nobody dares tread in that, right? And if you, again, look at it that way, you just go, oh, 
So all I have to do is not participate in this and it doesn't affect me. Cool. See you later. And that autonomy right there, the tend the garden that you've got modality that I've really gotten on board with is something I highly recommend everyone just to try out for the weekend. If it's something you fancy, give it a go. You know, if you're like, you know, maybe you can do something different this weekend, turn your TV off and um, just do um, things around your house with your family and do that. Try that instead. So just don't contribute energy to the system. Uh, yes, I love that answer. Thank you so much for saying that. Because yeah, you, you articulated everything that I've been feeling and thinking myself, you know, and uh, yes, let's not feed the, the wrong, the energy to the wrong things. Let's, let's feed it toward what we want. And, There's uh, a guy named uh, Gordon White, author guy, uh, absolutely fascinating, by the way, he does a lot of cool stuff with black magic. One of my favorite quotes uh, by him is um, response to the crisis is part of the crisis. So what that means is, is that whenever you respond to things that are obviously injustices, they're wrong, but there's nothing you can do about it other than contribute energy to the system, right? And so then what you do is, is you yelling about it and then splitting the crowd between the people basically that have common sense and the NPCs are the ones that just can't see it. And that's just their journey. That's just what they feel. Uh, but then you have these, again, diametrically opposed ideas. And if they can keep the oil and water thing going, that's what that's what makes it work. So when you remove yourself from that, the space between those two ideas where common sense is found gets smaller because you've removed yourself as an obstacle from contributing to either side, which, again, just feeds into one beast, which is just a system that requires energy. So if you're feeding love in your life then that's what grows. That's what you see. And you see it everywhere. That's how you shift realities into a higher frequency. If you want to dip back down, you can, and you choose fear. There, there's always that option there. But man, you know, just as the system that craves energy prefers fear, I crave love. That is my preferred source of energy. And so again, it's all just a choice, right? It's all love when you've all done it, everything. But really here in this dichotomy, you have love and fear. So that's what you have. Yes, very true. Brandon, this has been an amazing conversation. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and your podcast and everything that you're doing? Absolutely. First of all, thank you all so much for having me on. This was amazing. You guys are wonderful hosts. I love the uh, meditate thing before. I love that. I don't know if your listeners knew that you all did. Have you told your listeners you guys do that? I think we might have mentioned it just yeah, in, not sure. in a conversation. <laughs> it's somewhere. incredible. Yeah. It, it's yeah. one of those things as a host, because I'm a content creator as well, that I don't do, but uh, that I found very, very valuable. So I wanted to tell you that's a very sweet touch, and I'm very impressed. So thanks again. And y'all can find me at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's where links to everything are. I'm also on Rockfin, YouTube. Um, we are not hard to find. Uh, just come check it out. We have an, an awesome lineup of shows. I've had just incredible guests on. Tim, we're going to have to get you on soon. Uh, Tyana has been a part of the Soul Tribe for a while now and love to have you, brother. We'll we'll work that out off here. But um, that's where you guys can find me. So just expandingrealitypodcast.com. And I think I sent you all the link if you want to throw it, throw it somewhere. Yeah, we will. There you yeah. go. That's just the best way. Yeah, it's got everything on it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to come on and talk with us. I know it's kind of late where, where we are and, and this has been a great conversation. No, this is wonderful. Thank you guys again so much. Yeah, it's been, I, like, again, like, I feel like, oh, there's so many other things that we Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. 
I'd like to say thank you very much to Brandon Thomas for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing his unique perspective and knowledge with us. If you'd like to learn more about Brandon and his podcast, Expanding Reality, you can go to his website, expandingrealitypodcast.com. And you can also find him in several other places online too. Just Google him. Before we go, I'd like to say thank you very much to Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going. I'd also like to thank Casey Henson for providing the music we use. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit our website, beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating for us. This will help other people find us. Take care.